Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. My name is Jeremy, for those of you who may be new, and I am uh, the kids' pastor. And so um, uh, the kids are getting a break today, and um, so we're, we're going to share some things together. Hey, if you're not involved in an Accelerate group or your kids aren't involved in Awana, we had almost 800 people on campus Wednesday night. So uh, some awesome things are going on. Uh, if your kids aren't involved in student ministry, let me just encourage you um, to get involved, get plugged in in that program and, um, and uh, see uh, what God does as you uh, join in a small group and, and um, learn more about him. Um, all of us have things that we're known for, right? Like w- there, there are things about you that people know and they're, they're true of you most of the time and, and those things that, that we know about each other are, are called our reputation, and um, our reputation is, um, is those things that we believe and those things that others believe about ourselves. Take Nathan, for instance. Nathan uh, here, sitting on the front row, was dancing with his mom just a few minutes ago. And uh, Nathan, uh, sitting on the front row, uh, some people uh, know Nathan because he likes the outdoors. Nathan likes to raft. Uh, he likes to paddleboard. Nathan likes to build fires. Uh, Nathan, uh, Nathan likes to shoot things. And uh, some people would say Nathan is a manly man. In fact, I've heard people say Nathan is a modern-day Charles Ingalls. And, um, and so uh, th- there are these things that, that Nathan is known for. And these things that we know about Nathan, th- these things are his reputation. Well, then if you, if you think of Dan, take Dan for just a second. Um, and these, these are a couple of guys I know I can pick on a, a little bit. But Dan is crazy smart. Dan has a, a, an unbelievable vocabulary. And, and there, are times, um, there are times when I'll be in conversation with Dan or we'll be in meetings together and I'm sitting there nodding my head like I understand every word that Dan's saying when, in fact, I'm sitting on my phone trying to Google a word he said five minutes ago. Sometimes with that type of intelligence, the kind of intelligence that Dan has, comes um, this kind of quick humor. Some people call it sarcasm. Some people call it being a smart aleck. Uh, but Dan, Dan is quick with his humor. And sometimes Dan has an ability to say just the right thing at just the right time. Uh, the timing is incredible, and, and it just makes you laugh. Um, I've got a little bit of a reputation for uh, noticing things about people, like nuances in how they gesture or how they talk or their intonation. And, and there are times when I can impersonate somebody pr- pretty well. And, um, and, and so I just noticed things about people. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, a few weeks ago, I was out 
and I, I saw this lady, and the first thing that popped in my head is, if a Cabbage Patch Kid grew up, that's exactly what she would look like. <laughs> I, I just noticed things about people, and, and this is what popped in my head. And Anybody else like that? You just notice things about people? And, um, and so th- these, things, um, these things are called our reputation. These are, these are characteristics that we have. These are things that we do, that, things that we believe about ourselves and things that uh, maybe other people believe about us. We, I could tell some stories about some of you guys here. I could talk about your reputation. I could talk about the things that you're known for, and we would get a laugh out of some of those things. Um, but all of us have a reputation, All of us have things that we're known for. And sometimes our reputation is good, and sometimes our reputation is not good. And sometimes we have a reputation that comes from before we came to know Christ that changes after we know Christ. Our reputation is the activity that happens when what's inside of us manifests itself, when it comes outside we look at, in the Bible, uh, we look at a guy by the name of Paul. Paul had a reputation. Paul spent some time in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians uh, defending himself. He was defending his reputation. He was talking about his life. Sometimes he was talking about his life before he came to know Christ, and there were times when he was talking about his life after he uh, came to know Christ. Um, but I want to read for you just a couple of passages of scriptures, Scripture where Paul is, um, Paul is talking about uh, his reputation in 2 Corinthians. And we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, chapter 11, and Acts chapter 22 uh, this morning. 2 Corinthians 6, 11, and Acts chapter 22. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, um, verses 3 through 10, it says... We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God. In much patience, in much tribulation, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by longsuffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor making many rich, as having nothing yet we possess yet possessing all things. This passage of Scripture, Paul is uh, telling the church at Corinth that, man, he has endured many things in order to have the opportunity to share the gospel. He's given his reputation. He's talking about all of the things um, that that he's been through. He's talking about the things that he's taught. He's being honest. He's saying that he has pure motives. He's, uh, He's saying that he's been loving and sharing the truth. He's been beaten for teaching the truth. He's preached the truth. These things that Paul's talking about in this passage of Scripture are the overflow, his reputation, which is an overflow of what has taken place on the inside of him. 
Again, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, Paul again is sharing uh, with the church his reputation. It says this, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I'm more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation." This passage of scripture, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about some false teachers that were trying to creep into the church. And some of the people in the church looked at these false teachers and they liked what they had to say a little bit better than Paul had to say. And they started to look at Paul's credentials. They looked at Paul's reputation. They understood and knew what Paul was before he came to Christ. And they started to question who Paul was And was he really of God? And was he really teaching them the truth? And so Paul takes this opportunity to defend himself. And he compares himself to these false teachers. And he said, I've got the same pedigree. I've got the same teaching. I've got the same learning. I've been through much to teach you the truth. If what I were teaching you, if I didn't believe it to be the truth, I wouldn't go through all that I've gone through in order to teach you the truth. Paul is defending here his reputation. In this church, we have people with a reputation. We've got some Sunday school teachers who work hard to create a community environment in their small group that makes a large church feel small. If you're not plugged into a small group on Sunday morning, I encourage you this morning to go out to the Welcome Center and find someone and find a small group and get plugged in. But they work hard to build a a sense of community that have that reputation. We have ushers and greeters and deacons that have a reputation of serving the church, having a willingness to do whatever it takes to make a guest feel special. We have musicians and vocalists and technicians that have a reputation of creating a worship service that is both pleasing to God and points us as a church to him. We've got people who serve in children's ministry who uh, change diapers and feed kids and talk to them about Jesus so that we can sit in this room this morning and have a time of worship together. We have a pastor and a staff that's passionate about seeing men come from death to life, about seeing people's lives change, people changed and, and made more like Jesus. Our reputation as a church 
should be important to us. Our reputation as a church is not made up of what people think necessarily of this property or what's going on here this Sunday, but our people's opinion and the reputation of this church is based on what people think about you, what people know to be true about you, and our reputation is important. There's more to Paul's reputation, though. The title of today's message is uh, Testimony is greater than reputation. There's more to Paul than just his reputation. Although his reputation was important to him, in Acts chapter 9, we see his conversion story. We see the time when the change took place in, in Paul's life, and he actually went from Saul to Paul, uh, which is who we know him throughout the New Testament as. But he, uh, he had a reputation uh, there, and uh, as he was on the road to Damascus, he was working for the Pharisees. It was his responsibility to find people that he said who were of the way. We're not going to read the account of Paul's conversion this morning, um, but uh, he was to find people who were of the way, people who were following Jesus, and he was to kill them or imprison them or to persecute them. Paul went to church. He was very involved. Paul knew everything about the church. He knew everything about his religion. He knew everything about the Old Testament. He knew the law. He knew what his church taught. And then Jesus comes on the scene and disrupts everything that the church thought was normal. And because what Jesus taught didn't line up with what the Pharisees believed, because Jesus uh, took the gospel to the Gentiles, because Jesus did miracles in the name of God, these people couldn't trust Jesus. They believed that one day a Messiah would come, but they didn't believe Jesus was him. So Paul followed the Old Testament. He was commissioned to kill those who followed Jesus. And then Paul was such, uh, such a feared guy. He had such a reputation as being a persecutor of those who believed. When God met him on the road to Damascus and sent him to a guy named Ananias, Paul's reputation led Ananias. In his heart, he was struck with fear. He didn't want to encounter Paul. And so uh, in Acts chapter 9, we have that story of of Paul's conversion. Move on to Acts chapter 21 and Acts chapter 22. Uh, Acts 21, Paul's arrested. Acts 22, he's given his testimony before the Sanhedrin. Acts 22, 1 through 21, I want to read that for you this morning. This is, this is Paul testifying. He's given a witness of what he has done he says this, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. When they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous towards God as you all are today. I persecuted this way to death binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness and all the council of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in change even those who were there 
to Jerusalem to be punished. Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus. At about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they didn't hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise, go into Damascus, and there you'll be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me. And he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour I looked up at him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to me, to, um, to all men, of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now it happened when I turned to, returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance. And I saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. So basically, in this passage of Scripture, Paul is in court. He's on trial for his reputation of telling others about Jesus. He's on trial for the change that took place in his life. He's on trial for once being one who persecuted Christians, one who defended the religious system of the Pharisees. He's on trial for once being that guy and now being one who follows Jesus who he persecuted. He's telling them what, what took place in his life when he met Christ. Throughout the next few chapters, Paul goes through before the Sanhedrin he goes before Felix and Festus and then Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. All of the time, Paul is sharing his testimony. He's telling others not what he has done, but what has happened to him by the power of God. His testimony is his own retelling of what God has done in him and through him. He's using his testimony to persuade others to come to Christ his reputation, Paul's reputation, was what got him arrested. His testimony is ultimately what got him released. There are a few things I want to share with you this morning about the importance of our testimony and, and how our, our testimony can make a difference in the world and, um, and, uh, and that God would make us more bold to share our testimony. Part of the problem today is, I think, part of the problem, not today, part of the problem anytime, part of the problem for us as human beings is um, we, we have this reputation. We know these things about us. We know that other people know these things about us. And so what we do is we spend a lot of time trying to fix our reputation. 
We, we worry so much about what other people think of us um, that we neglect um, our relationship with Jesus and, and focusing on him building a testimony in our life. So the first thing I want us to talk about this morning is quit trying to fix your reputation and start letting him build your testimony. If ever there was a guy in the history of the world that had a reputation that needed to be changed, it was the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> He had good intentions. He was going around with direct orders from the church to specifically kill specific people who were of the way. His job was to kill people who were followers of Christ. In his mind, Paul was protecting the purity of his religion. He was protecting the purity of what he and his people, the Pharisees, believed. He thought that what he was doing was the right thing. They didn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Um, because of what he taught. Um, exciting things were happening in the church. Acts is the beginning of the church. People were coming to know Christ. Uh, the church was organizing, and the church was threatening um, the entire religious system of the Jews, and Paul was a big player in the organization of the church. And so we end up got, with guys like him um, who went about killing Christians. It'd be difficult for Paul to overcome his reputation. I mean, can you imagine? Here's a guy who, who totally is against. He goes against everything that you believe. And then all of a sudden, one day, he turns. And now he's all for what you believe. And, and people had a difficult time uh, trusting Paul. They were comparing him to other leaders and questioning his reputation. We've read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and 11. In, um, in chapter 11, before he starts defending his reputation, um, he, he says this. I say again, net, uh, verses 16 through 21, I say again, let no one think me a fool, if otherwise at least receive me as a fool, that I may boast a little. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting, seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I will also boast. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourself are wise. Um, if one devours you, devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face, to our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. I think in that little passage of Scripture, before Paul goes into defending his reputation and talking about the credentials and the pedigree that he has... He's saying, this, this is really kind of foolish. The, the talk that I'm giving you now is really kind of foolish. And, and it's prideful. And, and I'm not speaking to you as the Lord would speak to you. I'm speaking to you as a fool. And in, in that moment, I think Paul, Paul realized he had to, he had to say some things. But, but the things that he was saying were a defense of his reputation. And Paul would perhaps have been better off, and we would be better off if we point people to our testimony. That is what we believe about God, what we believe that God has done in our lives, if we would point people to our testimony um, rather than try to defend our reputation. About eight or nine months ago, um, I was talking to a guy um, who had rededicated his life. And... Um, 
as I was talking to him, I asked him a few questions. I talked to him about his salvation. I talked to him about the time when he gave his heart and life to Christ because there are times um, when people get the whole idea of rededicating their life and their salvation, they get those a little bit mixed up. And so I was wanting to make sure that he had a relationship with Jesus, and he did. And I talked to him a little bit about uh, his baptism. Uh, when was he baptized? Had he, has he taken that first step of obedience in following Jesus? And he had. And then the conversation took a little bit of a weird turn when he said this to me. He said, Jeremy, I'm just an alcoholic. He said, I struggle with alcoholism. He said, in fact, regularly right now, I go to AA meetings on a regular basis. He said, when I'm at church on Sunday, I'm thanking God for one more week sober. Here's a guy who wasn't trying to defend his reputation. He, he said what he believed about himself. But he also pointed to the testimony of what God is doing in his life and the fact that he can come to a place and fellowship with other believers and find accountability and worship God. This is a guy who's pointing people to his testimony, acknowledging his reputation, but pointing people to his testimony. Part of our problem is um, we're unwilling to surrender completely our past reputation to him and allow him to move uh, us towards the future testimony that he wants to build in our lives. It's when we surrender to him and the work that he wants to do in our lives that we experience all that he has for us in the future. The second thing that I want us to know about our testimony and the fact that our testimony is greater than our reputation. When it comes to our reputation, we need to not let the haters get in our head. How many of you uh, were teenagers when there were no cell phones? How many of you are thankful to God this morning that there was not a cell phone camera when you were a teenager? Anybody, anybody willing to admit that? No social media. All the dumb stuff that you did, nobody knows about it today, right? There, there are no images. The truth is, I know people who won't get on social media today because they're afraid that there's a picture out there somewhere that they remember that could end up on social media. There are people I've talked to like that. Sometimes our haters get in our head. There are those people who, who, who want to make light of the change that's taken place in our lives. The haters want to shame us into believing that there's nothing to what God has done in our lives. The haters want to throw our reputation in our face and say that what we say we believe about ourselves and what we say we believe that God is doing in our lives is not real. The truth is we don't need to let... The haters get in our head. They want us to think that, man, we were so bad that we're unworthy of the grace of God and what God um, wants to do in our lives. They want us to think that our reputation is greater than our testimony when the truth of God's word is our testimony <clears throat> is what we believe about God and our testimony is greater than our reputation. You know what the haters, they want to see us stumble. They want to see us mess up. Because when we mess up, 
it gives them a little bit of feeling that they don't have to be accountable to, to anything. This is, what they believe is not real. What, what Jeremy believes is not real because he messes up. You know who our most vocal haters are? Us. Because we allow Satan to drag up our past... And sometimes it's things that happened a long time ago, and sometimes it's things that happened yesterday. And we allow Satan to drag up our past and bring things to our mind that get us defeated. We need to stop allowing the haters to get in our head because the truth is this. God wants to build a testimony in your life that will make a difference in your home, that will make a difference in your community, that will make a difference in your work that will make a difference in the world. God wants to build that testimony in your life. And as long as we allow the haters to get in our head, it stunts um, our ability to allow God to do the things that he wants to do. Paul uh, was accused in Acts uh, 21. He was accused by people who claimed to be his friends. He was accused by his buddies from the past. Paul said this, hang on, hold up, wait a minute, that's all I know, don't worry Nathan, I just know that part, um, he says, y'all don't know, y'all don't know what happened on the road to Damascus, y- y'all don't know, that, dude, there's been a change in my life, like what I thought I believed about God And what I know to be true about God are are two different things. I've been changed when he stood before his accusers because Paul shared his testimony. And it was powerful because it was the story of God working in his life. It was the story of what God believed to be true about Paul. Believe it or not, I've had some haters in my life. Can you believe that, Denny? Uh, it's, uh, it's hard to believe. I've had some haters in my life. Beth and I, Beth and I started dating in um, 1988, right around there. I think Beth was sometime before her senior year in high school. It was back before Brock was born. And um, <clears throat> we started dating. And then uh, spring, that was funny. You missed it. This is a little, did you get it? Um, but... Uh, and then uh, we got engaged in the spring of, uh, of 94. And um, when we got engaged, there were some people, uh, there were people who, um, who came to Beth and said, man, are you, are you sure? Um, are, you, are you sure you want to do this? Do you know what you're getting into? And, and the truth is, I, I thought I was a good kid. But these, these were people who come into Beth saying, hey, you know, G- Jeremy comes from a broken home. You know, there's some baggage that comes with that. Are you sure you want to marry him? You know, like, we, we don't really see Jeremy as a very spiritual guy. Is, is that who you want raising your kids? And, um, and so, um, and so they're, they're haters, but... Uh, I'm not listening to those haters, and, you know, if they could see me now. <laughs> Six children. 
Don't let the haters get in your head. We need, to, we need to not do that. Third thing I want us to know this morning about our testimonies, our testimony will always be powerful because it's never about us. It's always about him. Paul standing before his accusers again for... Uh, again, in Acts chapter 26, he gives his testimony from beginning to end. He talks about how he was trained as a child to be a Pharisee, how he followed the law strictly. He talked about how he was compelled to oppose those who claimed the name of Jesus. But something happened that changed him. At the end of Paul's testimony, Agrippa, who he was standing before, said, Almost, you persuade me to be a Christian. What is your testimony Maybe as you think about your testimony, you think, Jeremy, if I had a light shine down from heaven that blinded me and I was blind for three days, like that's a powerful testimony. I mean, let, let's call it what it is. Paul, Paul had a pretty good bag of tools there with that testimony God gave him. Take the blindness away. Take the light away. Because those things are a part of Paul's story. Paul had a one-on-one encounter with Jesus Christ. And you know what? That's what all of us need. There needs to come that moment in our lives when we understand and we realize that we have broken God's law. And although we may try to fix it, although we may try to do things externally that help us um, fix those things that are wrong internally, we can't fix our sin problem. We need to believe that Jesus came to this earth, that he died that he was uh, buried, and that he rose again on the third day to pay for our sins. And then we cry out to him. That's the beginning of our testimony. And we may try to fix our reputation. We may try to fix those things that the world sees that are wrong with us. But until we start that testimony with a relationship with Jesus, nothing will change. Nathan... He might, he might be a manly man. Like he, you may think he's tough. You may think he looks like Charles Ingalls. You know what I know about Nathan based on his testimony? There's not a guy in this world I'd rather have in the trenches with me when I'm parenting teenagers than Nathan McCoy. I love that Nathan gets in my kids' business. I love that Nathan involves me when my kids are going through tough times. Nathan does that because of his testimony. Not because of what we know about Nathan, but because of what God did and because of what Nathan believes about God. Daniel, call it what it is. He's a smart aleck sometimes. Let's just be honest. Daniel can be a smart aleck. You know what? There's not a guy in this world that I'd rather have in my corner other than Daniel. You know what? Daniel cares about me professionally. Daniel cares about me spiritually. Daniel loves me as a friend, and I know that. And Daniel does that not because of his reputation. Daniel does that because there was this time when he began a relationship with Jesus, and because of what Daniel believes about Jesus, and because what Daniel believes about what Jesus can do in my life, and his life, and, and your life, I know that he cares about me. I could say that about all six guys that I serve on staff with. I was five years old, living in Jim Walter home on Elam Road in Bibb County, Alabama. It was just a shell. 
just the outside walls. There are no inside walls, only the walls that the house needed to support the roof. Just a shell of a house. We didn't have rooms inside the house. We had sheets and curtains that divided our living areas. There was no plumbing inside the house. I'm not that old. There's no plumbing inside the house. There were some five-gallon buckets. And when you used it, you toted it out. When you needed a shower, we'd go to Mama and Papa's. They lived on the same property. And I remember one day, Mom coming home, she was all excited. We loaded up in the car, Jessica and I and Mom, and we drove about 45 minutes to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We went in JCPenney's, and Jessica got a brand new dress, and I got a suit. Papa was getting baptized. I had no idea what that meant, but I knew it was a big deal. <clears throat> we got to church that night. Papa was baptized. What happened to Papa is Howard Sanford was preaching a revival at East Mount Olive Baptist Church in Cottondale, Alabama. And during the day, he would go knock on doors in Cottondale. He just happened to knock on Papa Howard's house. Led Papa Howard to Jesus. Whole family got in church. Went and saw Papa baptized. We were in church every Sunday after that happened. We were there on Wednesday nights. There wasn't any kids' church. We were bored to tears. <laughs> it was maybe some of some preaching that maybe some of you guys are, have heard before. Some of you guys may not be accustomed to the hacking style of preaching that we heard there, but that's what we had. The best entertainment that we had at East Mount Olive Baptist Church was watching Kenneth Lindsay put his mouth on the top of the end of the pew and spit down that pew. And Jessica and I would sit there and watch to see just how far that spit would run down that pew until Mama called us. And she'd pinch the fire at our legs and direct our attention back up to the pulpit. Remember one Sunday in particular, David Gere was preaching. David gave a clear presentation of the gospel. I remember as a young boy walking down that center aisle, praying to receive Christ. My breath must have smelled bad because David gave me a mint. Which he didn't know led me to walk down that aisle every Sunday for the next few weeks. <laughs> Until one day, David said, Jeremy, why are you coming forward today? I said, I don't know. He said, you think maybe God's calling you to preach? I thought, maybe. So I claimed that. At, at church, mom and dad seemed the happiest you would ever see them. Dad was in Vietnam and to this day carries a lot of baggage because of what he went through and saw there. At home we were a mess. It was almost like our reputation at church was that we loved Jesus and loved each other and then when we got home, we just kind of fell apart. Remember dad feeling like he was called into ministry and so we moved to Chattanooga so that he could go to Tennessee Temple. And I remember being 15 years old, living at 1514 Bailey Avenue 
just close enough to Highland Park and Tennessee Temple Junior High where I could walk back and forth to school and church. I remember being at church when I was 15. Dr. J.R. Faulkner preached a message. I won't ever forget it. He said this. He said, if you claim to be a Christian but aren't bearing fruit, how do you know that you're really saved? And I remember thinking as a 15-year-old boy, I, I, don't, I don't know that I've got any fruit. I mean, I'm, I'm not doing anything bad, but uh, I don't know that anybody's coming to Jesus because of who I am and what I believed. I remember walking down the aisle, Highland Park Baptist Church, 6,000 people in the sanctuary. I remember walking down the aisle and being met at the front by David Snow. Some of you guys know David. David shared the gospel with me. He went from beginning to end through the gospel. That night I prayed to receive Christ. I don't know if I got saved when I was a little boy. I don't know if I got saved when I was 15. It doesn't really matter to me. The truth is I know that I'm on my way to heaven. My eternity is sealed. And on that night when I was 15, I nailed that down. And I know for sure. Still, we put our church face on. We look like a model church family when we were at church. At home, we were a mess. Mom and dad divorced when I was 21. I'm surprised they made it that long. Um, from the time I was a little boy, God put men in my life to encourage me spiritually, to help me build a testimony. People like David Gear, people like Howard Sanford, James' dad, both of those have gone on to heaven. People like David Snow, who I remember when I was in junior high. Nathan will tell you how athletic I am. I'm not very athletic, but I remember in PE class, Tennessee Temple Junior High, I got the most improved award, and I was super proud of it. David cared about me. David loved me, and he invested in me. Guys like Chuck Patrick. Guys like Philip Doodle. Guys like the six men that I serve with on staff at this church today. God's placed those people in my life to help me build my testimony. And I could worry about my reputation. I could worry about my past. I could let the haters get in my head. But the truth is, my testimony is powerful. Because it's not a story about Jeremy. It's a story about God. So my question for us this morning is, what is your testimony? Do you know what your testimony is? Has there been that time in your life when you surrendered all that you are to God to allow him to build a testimony in your life? Is that a decision that you're not sure if you really understood as a child and you've never nailed down? Is that a decision for you that you've not made because you feel unworthy, because the haters keep reminding you of all of your past? This morning is a perfect opportunity for you to work on your testimony. Josh is coming. He's going to lead us in a song. I want us to stand, and I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning together. Maybe you're in this room this morning and you say, Jeremy, 
there's never been a time when I put my faith and trust in Jesus. And if today were my last day on this earth, I'm not sure where I'd spend eternity. You can fix that this morning. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if God has spoken to your heart and you need to give your heart and life to Christ this morning, tell God this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sin. I ask you to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you. No one's looking around. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time this morning. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.